0: Welcome, my lords, to Isengard. You young rascals!
1: A merry hunt you've led us on, and now we find you feasting and and smoking! We are sitting on a field of victory, enjoying a few well-earned comforts. Hmm. The salted pork is particularly good.
0: Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I am your host, Armand Haddad. This season, we are exploring the cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today, we are looking at the final film in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Return of the King. But before we cast the ring into Mount Doom, I'm joined by a returning guest, Carla Giacalone. Carla, welcome back to the show.
0: I'm back. Hello.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Thank you so much for taking time off from your podcast, Star Wars podcast, WSTR Galactic Public Access. Welcome back.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So we watched the final film in the Lord of Rings trilogy. We watched the first two already. We did two podcasts, and now we're doing the third podcast on The Return of the King.
0: The best one.
1: (laughs) The best one.
0: In my opinion,
1: the best one. In your humble opinion. So, just like with the other two, how did you first encounter The Return of the King? Because I have a different story probably than you.
0: (laughs) Um, I mean, it was just like a, well, this is the last one gotta gotta finish the story gotta go see it i was you know (laughs) enamored with the whole the whole thing and uh yeah i was there this was back when like midnight openings were still a thing which i miss um (laughs) but uh yeah midnight opening went first showing um and i think this was the this was the one of the three that i saw the most in the theater like i went as many times as i could anytime any of my friends or like family was like oh i want to go see return of the gang i'm like i'm there bring me with you please <laughs> like <laughs> like down to like the last like showings like you know when it's like sprinkled maybe throughout a few theaters in your area yeah. and there's only like one or two showings for the whole day in one yeah. of the theaters 20 um, miles my- away yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my aunt and I, like, we were like, we gotta. It was like we were like Jonesy. We're like, we gotta go one last <laughs> time, you know. <laughs> um, and we found this like old, dusty, like sketchy theater, and they were showing it like the basement level. We're like, we don't care. Like, we're going <laughs> basement level. <laughs> what? <laughs> I,
1: I've never enc- there was a basement theater.
0: Yeah, they had like these. It was like the main level,
1: and then uh-huh. you went down,
0: and there was like a like what like a lower leveled floor but it was like it was so just weird. like sketchy i don't remember the name of it but yeah we were just like well this is the last place we get to see it so it's fine
1: <laughs> it was like a triple x title going to play <laughs> afterwards or something <laughs> that's so ridiculous <laughs> a basement theater yeah. never never encountered that <laughs> so so funny enough so i watched the first two Lord of the Rings trilogies and theaters. And then it took me almost 10 years later to watch The Return of the King. What? Yeah. What? So I watched the first two and I always wanted to watch The Return of the King and then I never got around to it until many moons later where I think I bought the movie on DVD, not even Blu ray. It was DVD. <laughs> and yeah, I was blown away.
0: <laughs> Did, weren't you but weren't you like, oh like has it? How does of it course. <laughs> of
1: course. I had no clue for over ten years. I didn't even read the books either. Cause like I was like, I don't know how the story ended. Did they throw the ring in the fire? I have no clue. <laughs> and then watching it, I was like, this is not at all because I knew all the jokes. With, like, Lord of the Rings. Like, it had, like, yeah. 15 endings to the movie. It just never stops ending. And,
0: yeah. <laughs> it never stops ending.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> I was watching I'm like, oh, my God, it's still not over. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, every one of those vignettes, it's like, okay, this is the end, ending of the movie. And then it just keeps on going. And I'm like, <laughs> oh <my God." laughs>
0: but let's be real. The actual ending, ending is the best. Maybe I'm a little biased because it's my favorite character, but it's my favorite.
1: Oh yeah, I cried. There's like yeah. many moments where I'm like I don't cry. I'm yeah, crying. It's happening. <laughs> welled there's, up with tears.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll, you know, we're obviously going to dive more into it, but there's like a there's like a point in that movie where it's like from this moment on it's just waterworks for carla like there's no stopping like because it's like i think i'm gonna catch my breath and i'm like okay and then like the next part comes and i'm like no wait this is still happening <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: man yeah. so for this movie you read the book beforehand right before you watched uh, it for the first time
0: no i didn't i was in the middle i believe of like two towers Um, Because I saw Two Towers in the theater and then I had started reading the book. So I was like, yeah, I was Mm. a little bit behind.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I'm like a sixth grader
0: reading those. It was like, I got to take my time with this. (laughs) I still (laughs) have to take my time with them.
1: It's it's a lot. There's a lot going on in each page. Yeah. Yeah. So Carla. Carla. Before we go any further Uh on the trek to Mount Doom, you know what time it is. It's time for some elevator pitches.
0: I always feel the pressure with this. I don't know why.
1: (laughs) You're on the hot seat now.
0: Because there's so much for this. Okay.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. There's so much to talk about and you're going to distill it within one minute. So, Carla, I need you to summarize the entire movie within 60 seconds while avoiding major spoilers. Carla, are you ready? I'm ready. We're going to start in three, two, one, go.
0: Okay. So we are continuing our journey with uh, Sam and Frodo. They are making their way towards Mount Doom and they've got Gollum with them um there's a crazy spider creature that he leads them to uh they're doing their thing then we have Gandalf Aragorn Legolas Gimli they're trying to help out um Gondor with the the kingdom of Rohan they've kind of like collaborated to come and help um they know Sauron's back evil you know has taken over most of Middle-earth at this point um they come to Minas Tirith there's Crazy guy, Denethor, uh, father of Boromir and Faramir. Mm-hmm. He wants to take the ring. They say no, no, no. And <laughs> there's all these battles and <laughs> it's just mayhem. But uh-huh. in the end, good prevails and yes. our heroes our heroes come out on top at the end.
1: Yes. No major spoilers with, <laughs> Yes, with two seconds to spare. You did a great job. <laughs> So that
0: that was hard. That one I think <laughs> was the hardest of the three.
1: There's a crazy guy, and <laughs>
0: I mean he's nuts.
1: <laughs> he is nuts. Like he, okay. So you watched <laughs> Game of Thrones, the yeah. postmodern Lord of the Rings. So he reminded me of like the Mad King, almost.
0: Yeah, a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because like I
0: mean, we didn't get to see too much of. Is that, uh, was that Aerys Targaryen, right? I think was yes. the next yes. king. Yes. Um, but yeah, it kind of did have that vibe, like, you know, like he's just sitting there barking, barking at mm-hmm. everybody, do this and I want this yep. and that, like, you know, no rational mm-hmm. thought really to anything. No,
1: burn them all. So this movie picks up almost immediately where two towers left off. hmm And I'm going to admit something. This is my second time watching The Return of the King. (gasps) Actually, third time.
0: Extended?
1: Second time extended. Okay. Yeah. Because, like,
0: this is the one, like, you, like, once you watch the extended, like, there's just, again, there's so much that's filled in. Um, Oh, yeah. Right off the bat, like, from the first, like, from the opening of the movie. So, the whole scene with Saruman... Yeah. Um, that's all extended, uh, no. part of it. Yeah. Where he falls off the tower and stuff. Yeah. That's all really? an extended scene. Mm-hmm. Cause I would think uh, that's
1: super important.
0: Right. But in the theater release, I, oh my God, guys, <laughs> I actually like know like what's extended, what's not. So in the theater version, they come to Isengard, you know, they come to the tower of Orthanc and, they do that. They still do the whole thing with like Pippin finding the the palantir and all that, but mm-hmm. they only cut right to where Treebeard, you know, says the filth of Saruman is washing away, and that's it. Like you never see him or hear about him ever again. And then in the extended, oh you know, God. they come up and they speak to him from the top, and Wormtongue uh-huh. stabs him in the back, and all that stuff. So yeah, that's a whole wow. um, extended scene. But you would think, right, that like Peter Jackson would want to include that because but I guess like in the theater you know for theater purposes to cut the time like people just assumed oh like he was you know killed by you know the Ents just coming in and taking over so yeah but yeah that Off whole opening montage he was is, the main
1: antagonist
0: and it's Christopher Lee like come on man <laughs> How are you, you going right. to cut Christopher Lee Got out Dracula. like that? <laughs> <Count> Dooku.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I actually wanted to... Yeah. So I wanted to dive uh, further into that because I wanted to know why you think that was cut out of the movie. Because like, it makes it makes zero sense because he was the main antagonist in Fellowship of the Ring and then he was main antagonist in The Two Towers. It makes zero sense for a moviegoer... To be sitting in the theater and just, the dude is just written off, off screen. You don't even see him die. It's like, yeah. that's very anticlimactic and that's how you start the movie. Like, I wanted to know what Peter Jackson was thinking with that decision.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, like, I don't know specific, like, I don't know if he's ever talked about it. I'm sure it's in, like, one of the bonus feature discs or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but... right. My my thought would be that because like you've had Sauron, right? Like he's the servant of Sauron up until you know that mm-hmm. point where he's he perishes. Um then you're moving on to like the big guy is Sauron, right? Like that's like Sauron is the focus of this last film because he is the, like you said, the antagonist for so many of the characters that are in this film, you know, mainly being Frodo and Sam trying to get to, you know, Mount Doom and then for Aragorn because Aragorn is the heir to the throne of Gondor and Sauron's like, yo, if this guy gets on the on the throne, like I am toast. So like <laughs> he's doing anything he can to stop Aragorn from from getting to that that place. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a matter of like shifting like you know, it's almost like a um it's almost like a Vader Palpatine kind of thing. Like mm. like Vader is the guy, right? But then Return of the Jedi or like wait a minute. He hasn't been like the, the you know, the big cheese. It's really Whoa. Emperor Palpatine who yeah. has been running the show. So it's kind of like the same thing. Like you know, you know Sauron exists. Uh-huh. You know the emperor exists, but you don't really like get to see much of them, like we see the eye of Sauron, right? But like, uh-huh. that's it. Otherwise it's Sauron or the Nazgul that are going out right. and, you know, doing his, his bidding. Yeah, I just think it's a matter of like having to fit all of that content into this last film, which is, I think, the most important film of the three. Because, you know, the characters are finishing their arcs. Um, the storyline is coming to an end. And again, as we know, there's like so many endings. Um,
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think
0: Peter just wanted to get as much in as he could, you know, without also, I mean, it's like almost five hours extended. And he's like, I can't make this a seven hour movie. (laughs) Let's cut it back to five. Okay. (laughs) You know.
1: Right. It's it's a very aggressive runtime. This last movie. I had to watch it in two chunks. I watched, like, the first half and then the second half another day. Yeah. Like, if this was made now, it would probably be two separate films. Like, part one, part two, The like, Deathly Hallows. Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> yep. Or, you know, Endgame, Infinity War, that kind
1: of thing. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm glad Peter Jackson had the balls to make it just one film. Because I think that it should be one movie. Like, I think... Mm-hmm. The Deathly Hallows should have been one movie. Mm -hmm. I think, well, I guess Endgame and Infinity War are two separate stories, but whatever. That's really insightful because making the analogy to Star Wars, like, you're absolutely right. And that kind of elevates Return of the Jedi, too, because, like, for me, I think side tangents. I think that's the weakest of the original trilogy, in my humble opinion. I think Empire is. I agree. The strongest. (laughs) And then, not discounting uh, Luke and Vader, I think that storyline and the Emperor is like top-notch and amazing, but like everything else is like, meh, it's meh, it's okay. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, The Emperor was the main baddie all along, and we just kind of saw like the underling for the main part until the last chapter. And it's the same thing with... Uh, Return of the King, so I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really cool. So, getting into the death of Saruman, man, that was gruesome. How he fell from the tower, and I noticed in yeah. this viewing that his tower uh, mimics his staff. It's a good yes. uh, visual cue. Like I'm like ah, that's that's like his staff, mm-hmm. same shape.
0: Yeah. It's funny, because just speaking about props and stuff, um, we, so, my boyfriend and I went to see, they're playing the extended films on the big screen, and I'm, like, super excited. So, we just saw Fellowship on Thursday, Um, and, like, if you notice Gandalf's staff, he keeps his pipe in his staff.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yo, look (laughs) at this man. Look at this man. You go, Gandalf. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, he... Saruman takes the staff after they duke it out, right mm-hmm. at at Isengard, yeah. um, and then he has it again once they you know come to Rivendell and they leave to go to Moria and stuff. And like we were like picking it apart, like during the film, we're like, wait, does he have his pipe in that staff? Because if he does, how did he get it back from Saruman? Like you know, <laughs> like nicking, Double like nipping, <laughs> Like I'm like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. But yeah, no, like it's. <laughs> it's really cool like the attention to details you know yeah um, but yeah like in it has got the like the long and it's got the white mm-hmm. like orb in the mm-hmm. middle of it yeah it's mm-hmm. pretty cool
1: mm-hmm. yeah those little details flesh out the world that mm-hmm. you're watching and you become more immersed in it and it becomes more real like with Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and there's some other book series that do the same thing too that where you get you get engrossed in the characters and the world and it's like you're taking these steps in like a larger world mm-hmm. to paraphrase Obi-Wan Kenobi and like mm-hmm. you just get lost and it's like oh you, like it, it just feels real when you're watching it. Yeah. Like it's no longer like a set and props and actors it's like you're watching a world unfold before your eyes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can tell Peter Jackson like really put a lot of like essentially a lot of love and Mm -hmm. care into making this whole trilogy Um, because they filmed all three movies at once. It was like two years. They were, they went, you know, they were probably all over the place, um, you know, but they did film all three simultaneously at the same, you know, at the same time with all of the actors. Mm -hmm. Um, But you could just tell like from the attention to detail, the lore that's like, even watching it now, because like, I'm still reading through the Um mm. <laughs> like going back and watching, like there are name drops, like in Fellowship, when Galadriel's like, where is Gandalf? He has not crossed the borders of his land. And Legolas is like, he was taken by a Balrog of Morgoth. And if you know the Simrillion, you're like, yo, Morgoth, like, name, that's a heavy name drop. Like, you know? <laughs> like he's the OG to Sauron like oh my God. so it's yeah it's pretty cool but i just love yeah. the attention to detail and the love of the lore that peter mm-hmm. jackson has for these films and i think like especially with return of the king like you really see that come out in this finale you know oh, of yeah. the trilogy
1: oh yeah so i do want to address so When this movie came out during Oscar season, I'll never forget it because like, even though I haven't seen the movie, I'll always remember when it was in the Oscars and it just won everything. Just
0: like a clean sweep. Yes.
1: (laughs) 11 Oscars. And I don't know any other movie since Mm -hmm. or beforehand that has done that or just won everything.
0: I think, was it like... Titanic and like Ben Hur might be the other two.
1: I mean, if they did, those are those are worthy films. Yeah, Ben Hur is a classic, Mm -hmm. classic movie from what the fifties or Mm sixties, and then Titanic. It's Titanic, James Cameron.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember watching the the Oscars like when that because I was like so excited because they. They had won, I think they won 17 total, like f- for the three films
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like fellowship was just like, you know, mm-hmm. they like won a bunch. And I think the Academy was like, okay, wait, there are two more films coming out. Maybe <laughs> we should wait until the end. So like what I loved was essentially like return of the King won not only for like the film itself, but I think it won for the entire work of the trill, like the whole trilogy. You know, mm. um, yeah. And I just remember like seeing like, you know, and you know, the winner to for best picture goes to, and like, they, I, I, again, like I'm like crying, I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh, you know, like, oh yeah, it God. was just such a, such a great moment for them. And I love the fact right. that they did not go to the, the Oscar party afterwards. They went to Seriously? a fan base party afterwards Oh my so God. So they like skipped all the bougie stuff and they were like, wow. "Yeah, we're hanging out with the fans. Cause like they are really part of the reason like we are here and why this wow. is so big, you know?
1: That's um, incredible. Yeah. I didn't know that. Like that, that shows integrity on Peter Jackson and the entire production. Mm-hmm. It's like they could have, you know, got the accolades and the laurels and the praise at the bougie party. Yeah. But they're like, nah. We have to be with our true fans.
0: With our people. We gotta be with our yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was just I was so happy like when that happened. I was like, ugh, oh, good for them. They just they just deserve it, you know? And like if you and like, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh am I just saying that because I'm like a super fan and I'm like a super nerd. But like no, like those films are just like I guess now being as old as they are, right, 20 mm-hmm. years, they're turning into that category of a classic a classic film. You know, you think of some mm-hmm. of the greatest movies and, like, Lord of the Rings, like, has to be on that list, you know? You
1: know, I could, t- I could totally see, like, 50 years from now that these movies are going to be in the same category of, like, Cleopatra, The Ten Commandments, Ben-Hur... Like Mm -hmm. it's hard to believe because like one, it's hard to believe that these movies are 20 years old, but it's also hard to believe that future generations are going to look back at these movies and be like, wow, these are incredible movies because they are. Mm -hmm. Like not only from a storytelling standpoint, but like the entire production, I don't think anything could even match the craft and the level Of skill of everybody involved in these movies. These movies are masterpieces, start to finish. Perfect films.
0: Yeah, and you know all of the you know the model, the modelers, you know the people Mm -hmm. working on the special effects, the the costumes. Like, like you said, just everybody that's involved. Like, you could tell. Like, yes, not only are they masters of their crafts, right? But they were just so passionate and they were almost like protective of it because I know there was like a whole thing too um where like oh, I forget what movie production company like was with them originally and then they dropped them. Whoa. And then Drama.
1: Like
0: New Line came in and you know now they are, you know, part of it. But um there was like this whole thing where they wanted to move like filming and stuff to oh I wanna say I don't know if it was the States or maybe like England or something. Whoa. So they told, yeah, they told some of the, um, like the guys who worked on the miniatures and stuff for the films, they were like, yeah, you got to like pack up all that stuff and bring it. And uh, like Minas Tirith is a full scale, like two scale, you know, miniature of the city. So they were like, yeah, we had to like break it into parts. And like, we were almost about to ship it over and then they were like, nope, it's not happening anymore. So they stayed in New Zealand. Wow. But yeah, it was like in an interview with, um, uh, what's his name? Taylor something. Swift? <laughs> yes, Taylor Swift. <laughs> it's the mastermind book. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like you could just tell like any interview you listen to, whether it's with you know, the cast, Peter, um, any of these guys, you know, from Weta and stuff that worked on it, you could just tell they were just so, and just so protective of it. Cause I think they understood, you know, the, the gravity of what they were making, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, this was just Peter's story, like a George thing, you know, it's this guy's story and it's no, like you're taking a man's, entire world that he created right and it's like mm-hmm. these books have been out for years decades at this point and so it's mm-hmm. a well-known story and they knew like we have to do this right because <laughs> if not like it's going to flop and right. um, yeah i think it did because, of that, because of that because of that because of the way peter handled it you know it it came out the way it did and it's just oh, it's just perfect <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we've been talking at length about the legacy of this film, and it makes sense because it is a 20, 20th anniversary. I can't. I still can't believe it. Right. We're getting. We're getting <laughs> old. <laughs> but um, I wanted. I wanted to highlight some scenes of this film because certain scenes highlight Peter Jackson's directing ability. And the opening scene, you probably knew this, but like before Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson did a lot of horror films mm-hmm. and the intro scene with Smeagol and his friend, just the epitome of horror. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is so yeah. cool. Yeah. He's like choking him out on the riverbank, but like, yes. and like the music that accompanies it, you're like, mm-hmm. whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it goes to show like the true power of the evil that comes from the ring, you know?
1: Right. Cause like they're sitting on a boat, they're fishing, they're having a good time as hobbits do. And Smeagol, who becomes Gollum, his friend, uncovers the ring. And then they start fighting over it. Mm-hmm. And in this movie. Like, you know, in the other two podcasts, we we're like dancing around like, oh, there's some biblical allegories with this film in particular. I was watching it and I'm like, this is the most overt biblical uh, symbolism than the other two movies. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain, there's like three points where I'm like, like not as overt as like Narnia because that's like yeah, 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 in your face, but yeah. like. This this time around, I was like, yeah, I know what that is. And in the beginning it's like Cain and Abel. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: like Dueling Brothers, and then Smeagol bludgeons his friend to death for the ring. And I'm like, wow. That was you can make an entire movie just out of that. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It was that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie and it perfectly sets up the entire movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> Cause it was, it was done so well.
0: Yeah. And I mean like that moment, right. Sets the course for the rest. Like if that yes. had ever happened, what would have happened to the ring? You know?
1: Right. I think someone else yeah. would have found it eventually.
0: Yeah. But then it's like, <laughs> Because everybody, you know, Gollum, right? He's mm-hmm. the essentially the guide for Frodo and Sam. But like, if his path had gone differently, would they, right. would they have made it to Mordor? You know, um, exactly. Because everyone's, you know, mm-hmm. Gollum's this this villain, right? And I think we talked about this last one, but there's also this sense of like pity for him because you know that he's essentially just corrupted by this ring and there are those moments where he comes out of that evil personality and then he comes back to Smeagol um, right. and he's like you know no we swear not to hurt the master of the precious you know it's <laughs> um uh. <laughs> and you kind of feel sorry for him Um
1: yeah there's this yeah. duality with Gollum where you sympathize with him because you understand what, what he's going through because it's <laughs> he's still human or not human, but still there's some innocence to him, Mm -hmm. but he's Mm -hmm. being corrupted and this other personality is taking over. So it's like fighting. So the Dueling Brothers is personified in him and his friend in the beginning, and then it's further personified within himself. So he's Mm -hmm. fighting himself. There's Mm -hmm. two different personalities fighting. And unfortunately the dark side overcomes the light Mm -hmm. with him it just sucks because it's like oh you want him to be redeemed but yeah the story doesn't go that way
0: and like it's weird to think of it this way but he kind of has like a happy ending right (laughs) because ultimately like that's all he wants right is Mm -hmm. to hold the ring again and right literally like in the moments of his death he mm-hmm. has the ring falling into the, you know, the, the, the lava. dune. Yeah. So essentially like he got that happy ending.
1: Yeah. He got what he wanted even in <laughs> death.
0: It's really morbid, but it's.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting way to look at it because like. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on
0: LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: He lost it to Frodo. And then in the end, he got it back. And then he, he essentially died happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there's no remorse when he was falling into the lava. He was like, yeah, caressing it even until the end. I'm like,
0: wait, with Frodo's yeah. finger, like still <laughs> <He> like, <laughs> it's like a carrot. He's just like, <laughs> OK, <laughs> yeah,
1: you know. Um, because it it took me years to watch the movie, and that was a surprising scene when that happened. So when Sam and Frodo reach the point where a seal door was at, mm-hmm. you know, generations prior, and Gollum comes out of nowhere, bites his finger off. I'm like, what? He just bit Frodo's <laughs> finger off to get the ring back, and yeah, that that surprised me. Yeah, yes, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, there are moments. Not, uh, I mean, I think more so with Return of the King because we have a lot more battle scenes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of moments throughout the whole trilogy that are pretty gruesome. Like they're not necessarily mm-hmm. like very gory, you know, like Game of Thrones level. Like that's you know that's different. Like it right. was enough violence to like be like, oh wow, that's whoa. But it wasn't over the top like Game of Thrones was, or like The Witcher, where you're like, "Whoa, man!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, like when the Nazgul are stabbing the pillows in the in the inn, like just mm-hmm. the sound, and there's no music. Like you just hear the, you know, I'm like, "Wow, that's really brutal." And then like, mm-hmm. um, like parts of Helm's Deep, you know, that's that whole battle scene is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, when you have the Olyvants coming through and they're like, you just see like men on their horses, just getting like swiped back and you see, and like, you see them getting like flung into the air. You're like, Oh my gosh, this is so, this is so violent, but it it brings that reality of what war is to Mm -hmm. the viewer. You know, like Mm -hmm. sometimes like war gets a little bit diluted, I think in certain stories where Mm -hmm. it's seen as like, you know, this glorious thing and like nobody really thinks about the reality of what these soldiers and these, you know, um, these leaders of these people are about to do, you know, it's like the psychology of it is so interesting. Right. Um, right. but I think Peter Jackson had that nice balance where it was like, wow, like, yeah, this is pretty, pretty, pretty violent, but it's not again, like Game of Thrones or, like, Witcher level where you're like, ooh, okay, I didn't need to see, like, this man's intestines fly out <laughs> in front of him, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: It's not gratuitous. It's it's uh, it's tastefully done.
0: Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think Tolkien's stories need to be like that, you know? And not just with, right. like, violence, but, like, even, like, um, you know, sex and stuff like that um it's his stories were never written to that level of detail you know especially Mm -hmm. like you know we look at game of thrones like it's Mm -hmm. basically just like gore and like pornography (laughs) and like with the with the tv show that's supposed to be coming out Mm -hmm. next september i'm so excited um when they mentioned, like, there was going to be nudity, the fan base, like, flipped out because they automatically, like, I think, stamped that, like, modern television, you know, uh, kind of filter to it. And it's like, mm. like no, like, you know, there's no, like, sex in Tolkien's. Like, yeah, obviously, like, characters have to, like, they reproduce and they have heirs and offspring, but it's never, like, explicit. And I think the fan base, like, their minds were like, no, like, no, like, this is not Game of Thrones. (laughs) Like, like, Tolkien should be respected. And like, I, hey, I totally agree. Like, I am, when it comes to this stuff, like, I am like, kind of like a prude. Like, I'm like, no, like, you can't change anything. (laughs) Whereas like Star Wars, I'm a little more lenient, like a little more like, "Ah, okay. mm -hmm. But I was like, I get it. And then like, supposedly they like explained like what the nudity was going to entail it's like how the elves came to be and it's like you're not going to see anything that's like super you know graphic or whatever Uh, but it's just like amazing to see how like the fan base reacts to these things
1: yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i think it's important to uphold the author's original vision for their work Mm -hmm. and with tolkien i've read the first book fellowship and i understand his style it's it's kind of like modern for his time period he's taking like these old stories and then modernizing it and they still hold up today
0: mm-hmm.
1: but i think that's a stark contrast to george r R. martin's a song of ice and fire where it's postmodern, where he's deconstructing tolkien's work and then he's adding in uh graphic nature both in violence and sexuality um so if you were to make say someone were to remake game of thrones and call it a song of ice and fire and they left out the nudity or the intense violence people would have the same reaction probably it's like you're watering Mm -hmm. down his work yeah so i could see on both sides why people would get angry um, but I think there's a difference between nudity and then like sexual graphic content. Right. Cause like, I don't know what they're going to do with this Amazon series for, as you described the elves coming to be, I'm sure they're not going to show like, <laughs> they're not going to show Elrond, uh, getting dirty with a uh, Gladriel. <laughs> 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 Playing smooth jazz in the yeah. background. <laughs>
0: yeah well I think just because like people automatically assume like oh there's nudity that means there's there's sex in it and that that's not always the case well,
1: is Peter Jackson involved with the Amazon series I don't think he is no he's not. Okay. I wouldn't be either if I made the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and Amazon's like we're making a TV show yeah you do that
0: <laughs> even the Hobbit he was very like He was kind of, like, forced into doing it. Like, you could just tell Mm -hmm. the difference. Um, And I don't don't hate the Hobbit trilogy, but, yeah, you can't. It's just totally different from the the Lord of the Rings.
1: The Lord of the Rings is, like, the masterpiece, the Michelin five-star dinner, and then the Hobbit is, like, a really good burger.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, it's like it's good, but it doesn't compare to like you know a filet
0: mignon uh, mm-hmm. dish.
1: <laughs> yeah, Wagyu steak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do want to. So you you talked about like the badass or the the amazing moments, and I want to talk about a badass character that was probably one of the coolest scenes in the entire movie and that's Eowyn and I think you know which scene I'm going to talk about so during the battle of Minas Tirith so the forces of Mordor are sieging the city and there's so much happening with that scene but I do want to highlight the ground battle where first of all it's, it's like middle ages so men are being drafted to defend the city men of all walks of life like gotta defend it you're being drafted, and Eowyn, she decides to go undercover like Mulan, and fight for her land, and she holds her own. Mm-hmm. And the bad, the the most badass moment is when she goes toe to toe with the Witch King, who is such a cool character design. He's, like his, yeah, because like. You don't really know it's the Witch King in the Fellowship, like you just know he's like in charge of uh, the Night Riders. Is mm-hmm. that what they're called?
0: The well, yeah. the Wraiths. He's like yeah, the Nazgul. He's the one. Ring so the, the 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 Witch King is the one that stabs Frodo with the Morgul blade. Yes. Because when he sees him in the like the Shadow Realm, uh, when he puts the ring on, like you can mm-hmm. see kind of like a similar crown mm-hmm. on his head.
1: Yeah, and. When he comes back in Return of the King, he has like this full armor getup, similar shape except black instead of white. When you see him in the first film, and oh, he's so badass! And, and like the voice, it, yes,
0: like it's te- it's terrifying. It's terrifying.
1: It's it's yeah. so cool. Yeah, like I saw him, and I'm like. That's so cool. That's he's my guy.
0: A cool... <laughs> <laughs> That's my
1: guy. <laughs> yeah, and so he's on the battle and the battlefield, and he's like riding a dragon, and he's like killing everybody, and then Eowyn goes toe to toe with the Witch King, mm-hmm. and she slices off the dragon's head. And what I like about it is, it's not like she immediately overpowers him. There's like, she's definitely. It's like she's not
0: race Skywalker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Ray Palpatine. <laughs> um, so that moment, it's like almost like the video game moment where it's like you're like a level ten, and you didn't level up your character enough to fight the raid battle. <laughs> and she is definitely overpowered. <laughs> yeah, what what exactly happens with her and the Witch King?
0: So the Witch King, he's, uh, he's taken out Theoden and she sees it and she's like, oh, like, oh shit. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I gotta go help him. Um, Mm -hmm. and you could tell, like, I like what you said, you know, it's not like this moment where like all of a sudden, like, she's like, she's a, she's a shield maiden, right? Like she is kind of a warrior. Like she's probably Mm. handled a sword before, but she's Mm. not like this, like, uh, you know, this like OP, like yeah, I'm going to come in and, like, do all these crazy moves. Um, like, you can tell, like, she's terrified because she, like, didn't expect to ever face, a, you know, such a such an evil being right. like this. So, the yeah, the Witch King um, comes in and he, you know, he swipes Théoden off his horse. And Aowen comes in and she, I think she says, like, I will, you know, I will kill you if you touch him, you know? And he comes and he like rises up from his, uh his dragon race or the fell beast, I think they're called. Yeah. Um, and he rises up and, and then he has the, the giant mace weapon. Uh-huh. And you just see like the horror, yeah. you know, like, oh my, like, I'm about to die, basically, is, right. you know, the look on her face, like, this is it for me. And, you know, he's, like, whipping around. And it's, like, pretty cool, like, how he, like, slams it into the ground. And, like, she barely just, you know, dodges it and stuff. Um, And then I forget. I forget, like, how he gets, like, knocked, like, down. Like, his, you know, his defenses come down. But ultimately, you know, it's, you know, you fool. No man can kill me, you know. And then, uh. But, you know, she's like, I am no man. And she just steps. Yes. Her great yes. face. You know, and he's all like, you know, she gets him. And um, yeah, that's just such a it's such a cool moment. And like for me mm. as a woman, like because I don't like her character particularly. Like she she annoys me like in Two Towers. Like, I'm like yo, you are just thirsty for Aragorn because, you know, he's the king. Like, calm down. She, okay, she likes
1: him. She, <laughs> she likes was them. thirsty she as hell. Um,
0: but then <laughs> you kind of see like this, you know, because Aragorn essentially like writes her off. He's like, uh, yeah, like I've got an elf lady like that I'm in love with, and I'm waiting for. Um, it's like the ult- It's like the ultimate like rejection. Like she says like to him something along the lines like. Um, Basically, like, oh, is there a chance? And he's like, it is but a dream or something like that. And it's like, damn, get some ice for that bird. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the ultimate rejection. You're just like, oof, honey, I'm sorry. Like, you know, Um, (laughs) and it's almost like, and I think in the books, she's almost like suicidal. Like, she almost goes to war because she's like, I have nothing left to live for. Like, this was my... This was my one like hope for my for myself, you know, yeah. to like almost like unite Gondor and Rohan through like yeah. maybe, you know, marrying the king. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think in the books, it's a little more dark, like she's a little more suicidal. So she decides like, OK, like I'm just going to go to battle and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I'm probably going to die. Uh, yeah. But like for me as a woman, like it's just really cool because... I am not a fan of the pushed feminism bit. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. yes, like I love strong female characters. I love it, but when it's like, kind of like shoved down your like in Marvel, like that mm. moment in I think it's Endgame where it's like, oh, where all like, the
1: girls come out, yeah, it's just
0: like, oh, like we've got her back. Like I, like I was just like, are you? I literally out loud I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like, are you serious right now? Like it's just so forced, and I, I just can't. I can't get behind that, like make it, make it real, you know, make it believable for especially your audience of women, you know, like me personally, like that is just such a a cool moment when Eowyn's just like, I am no man, you know, Mm. it's just, it's so authentic. Yeah. It's Um, genuine.
1: And even like with
0: Arwen, you know, like we don't really see much of her, um, but that moment when she's you know crossing the river and she speaks the elvish spell like i get goosebumps like just thinking about it like her voice and like you can see how powerful she is you know and it's give up the halfling any you know she elf it's almost like a trying to insult her like she elf and she's like if you want him come and claim him bitch like you know <laughs> it's like it's just so authentic to me it's real like you believe it um Whereas I feel like a lot of times with like Marvel and Star Wars and maybe this because Mm -hmm. now they're part of the Disney family. Like it's almost like there has to be this push of like women are always like, you know, like above or better than like men, you know, and I don't Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I don't think that's Mm -hmm. fair. Um, Mm -hmm. We should be on an even even grounds. Um, Exactly. Yeah, I could go into like a whole thing. But yeah. That's, that's probably one of my favorite, favorite moments of the whole Return of the King. There's a funny meme. It's like, when he's like, yo, you fool, no man could kill me. I am no man. And it's like, okay, but like, you technically know what I meant. Like, I meant the race of men. Like, don't try to like fool me with your like, you know, your linguistic like play. <laughs> so
1: i am no oh my god that's that's good don't it's assume so my funny. gender yeah <laughs> didn't ask like oh, stop trying to
0: play me with your words i meant the race of men like,
1: <laughs> it was a capital m not a lowercase <laughs> m i meant mankind
0: <laughs>
1: oh wow okay yeah so let me respond for that for one second but like <laughs> So, like, that scene in Endgame where Captain Marvel comes and then all the other female characters. Yeah, it felt very forced and not genuine. Like, it felt like a corporate move. Mm -hmm. Like, this will appeal to women. And let's contrast that to the finale of, I think it's the finale of Mandalorian Season 2, where Cara Dune, Bo-Katan, and... Uh, Fennec. Yeah, yeah.
0: Shan and I forget the other Mando's name.
1: Yeah, so they're like assaulting the Stormtrooper base, and it's it's a pretty awesome moment. And it just so happens to be they're all women. Maybe there's like a guy in the background, but he don't matter. He's like <laughs> like way in the like extra. But like yeah. it's the main driving force of that scene is it's women. And I appreciate that because like it is such a genuine moment and because it is an authentic moment, it just elevates that moment even further. It's like, wow, it's like they're doing this amazing feat and they're women. That's amazing. And like it's not bringing attention to it and like Marvel brought it to attention. Like they not only do it it was like, oh, it's all women. And then they do like an action pose. Yeah. Like it's Charlie's Angels. and It's like. (laughs) What's happening? Right? Yeah. yeah, it's, it's just not like, it... like,
0: like when it's not explicitly put out, like in, you know,
1: in mm-hmm. the air,
0: you're like, okay, yeah. cool. Like it just, again, it's natural. Like it's authentic. Yes. Like they yes. just so happened to team up and it wasn't because mm-hmm. like, oh, like girl power, like we're going to team up, you know? It was because, hey, like we all have to do this while Mando yeah. has to go get Grogu. Like it was it was part of the story. It wasn't, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: We have power, and by the way, we're women. Yeah. It's not like we're women and we have power. It's yeah, like exactly. like you said, it should be I don't know, like men and women equal. That'd be, but anyways, we're gonna get off our soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the battle, so they defeat the the forces of evil in the battlefield and also at Mount doom where Frodo casts the ring into the lava and Gollum too. (laughs) So the ending of this film I thought was absolutely beautiful. Um, I think both uh, you and I can agree that the ending of this film, there is no dry eye to be had because like it was so poignant and so powerful where, the return of the king happens in the form of Aragorn. Like, he is a rightful heir to uh, Gondor. They depose this... I don't even know what he was. He wasn't the king. It was like this surrogate king that deposed... The steward. Def... Yeah, the de facto yeah. leader. And he tried killing himself and his son.
0: Yeah, he tries to kill Faramir because he thinks he's dead. Yeah, he throws him on, like, the pyre. He tries to burn him. Yes. Pins. And himself
1: yeah, dumps yeah. a whole bunch of oh, kerosene yeah, he on like him. And he's
0: all like, Ugh. <laughs> It's like, okay.
1: Like I said, then, the crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then his son is clearly breathing like, what's oh, yeah. happening. You're yeah. dead. My son is dead. Yeah. <laughs> what? And Pippin's so, like,
0: uh, excuse me.
1: <laughs> get You are no yeah. longer under my leadership. Yeah, get out of yeah. here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Aragorn becomes king and there's this whole uh coronation for him and it's beautiful and the there's a tree on the top of Minas Tirith that has been withered because it's symbolic you know it's without the king and then the tree blooms which symbolizing the return of peace i think it's peace lilies i don't know and so that happens there's a whole coronation and there's a lot happening in this scene <laughs> um Arwen comes back mm-hmm. in the form of, you know, the bride of the king. And I cried at that moment. I was like, oh my God.
0: It's such a, it's such a great moment because Aragorn thinks she left
1: to and go to die
0: to the, to the Grey Havens. Um, yeah. Because, like,
1: symbolizing death.
0: Yeah. Because, like, Elrond comes. Remember, he comes to him in, like, the encampment before they go mm-hmm. to, to the battle. And he brings in yeah. the sword of Anduril, you know, and, um, cause Arwen's yeah. like, hey, you saw like our future son in like a vision and you lied to me. Like, you know, um, that's, yeah, that's like a whole thing. But, you know, essentially yeah. like he comes to Aragorn with the sword and he's like, stop, stop like denying who you are and like be a man and like take the sword and like just go, you know? But he doesn't say anything about Arwen cause, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, he wants to protect her, but yeah, like essentially like he brings her to Aragorn at the coronation and yeah, that moment is just like, it's so great because like he sees Legolas first and you know, they like put their hands on their each other's shoulders. It's like, so yeah. bro, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. but then I love the look on Legolas's face. He like kind of like puts his eyebrow up like a little bit and he's like, guess what, man? i got your you woman here and he like turns and you see her and like oh uh, she's just Liv tyler just looks absolutely beautiful and she's got like mm-hmm. the head piece oh, yeah. and just the elven garb and all that um and the music oh,
1: it's just so good Elrond <laughs> is behind her her father and like the actor is like crying proud proud father moments yeah
0: like. yeah <laughs> He's like happy but he's like mad at the same time. He's like, "I can't believe I'm giving her to this guy." Like, <laughs> it caused me so much so much trouble. <laughs>
1: I guess it worked out in the end. Yeah. The evil is defeated, the king and you know reigning glory and But peace. it's
0: like it's, ha- it's like so that story is like a happy ending in that moment, but you also yeah. know it's also very sad. It's ultimately a very sad story because she gives up her immortality for him. And because he is one of the Numenor, he has a prolonged life as a race of men. You know, they live Mm. longer. Um, But ultimately Aragorn does pass and she lives for many, many years after he dies. And she just lives in this state of uh, mourning and sorrow because she's all alone. And he was the reason why she stayed in Middle-earth, and it's too late for her to leave because um, all the elves have left at that point. So ultimately, it's it's wow. it's sad. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, but in that moment, you're just like, oh, yay. <laughs> like, right. like, they finally reunited, you know?
1: Yeah, and speaking of that, so um, during that scene, like they all kneel to frodo um because like uh the king aragorn is like saying his pleasantries to everybody and then he reaches frodo and hobbits and he says you kneel to no man yeah and the entire kingdom essentially kneels to the hobbits and that scene always gets me because like Yeah. The meek shall inherit the earth. And it's, it's just so beautiful to see like the, the unsuspecting heroes, like the people that you would not think like, Oh, they're the main reason why we're all alive. They acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Like
0: you see them like kneel or like they bow, they bow to him. Like they start to like, you know, and I just love like how he's like my friends you bow to no one. And it was just like, Oh my God. Like, you know, and the music and it's uh, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. So that's like ending one of like 20. (laughs) (laughs) Right. For the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah. And speaking of Frodo, I do want to ask you, so Frodo decides to leave middle earth along with the elven clan. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you, Why did he choose to leave Middle-earth? Because, like, his friends are sad. Sam is sad. And why did he choose to leave?
0: Well, if you think about it, because, like, like, yes, he goes. But he also leaves with Gandalf and Bilbo, right? So Mm -hmm. so we see Bilbo. He's been in Rivendell, you know, since the Fellowship. Um, But... I think it's more of like a like yeah, it was ultimately his choice, but like he knew if he stayed in the Shire, he would never have this feeling of peace because the ring did so much damage, you know, like how Bilbo, like you're yeah. never the same, like after after you have to carry such a burden. Right. Um and Frodo knows, like, you know. I'll be in the Shire, but it'll never be the same for me the way it will be for Pippin or Mary or Sam. You know, they never had to physically or emotionally carry this for however long it is, you know? So he knows, like, I'll never find that that happiness or that, like, peace, essentially. Like, it's always going to be this prolonged suffering. So he knows that... To go with the elves, like they at least would be able to probably heal him in some kind of way, because they go to Valinor, which is the lands of where the elves came from, and um, you know it's ultimately like this safe, this safe haven for them, and it's just it's like a you know the equivalent of heaven um, almost. And Gandalf too, because Gandalf's been alive for. You know, thousands of years, and he's like, right. "Yeah, I'm done. i will throw the towel. In. I'm going." <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and he brings Bilbo and Frodo because he understands, you know, what they've been through and that they are worthy of right. dwelling with, you know, the high beings that are elves and the, you know, the Valar and and all that. So, um, yeah, and like he knows, like, it's going to make his you know, friends, very sad, but yeah. he's like, I have to, I have to do this. Like, I can't, I can't stay here. It's never going to be the way it was before I left. And it is really sad. Like when we're <sighs> by the ship, stuff. like, oh, mm-hmm. even Sam, like I can't, my heart. It's just, yeah. oh yeah. It's just water works from that point.
1: <laughs> and then the true ending, the final, final scene with Sam, because like, It gives you a sense of hope and closure because like Sam carries on Frodo's legacy with, I assume, publishing Frodo's book, Mm -hmm. The Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. along with Bilbo's book, uh, There and Back Again, A Hobbit's Tale. And he starts a family with the girl that he... He loved Rosie.
0: Rosie Cotton.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Oh, it was such a tender, sweet ending. Oh. and that entire sequence, like tears.
0: Yeah,
1: it's so beautiful. I'm yeah, like, it's a good, it's a good heartwarming story.
0: Yeah, the last line of the film is, "Well, I'm back." And he walks into his little hobbit hole. Yes. His family, And I love that the, the girl that he, like, picks up, the daughter that he picks up, is his actual
1: daughter. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's sweet. Wow. So, incredible movie. We just scratched the surface.
0: Yeah, there's, but, like, like, so we... much you can just dive into this with each of the characters and like yeah. where their story goes. And
1: yeah, it's just, yeah. it's four and a half hours. <laughs> there's so much going on and like no sequence is wait. There's no like, like, Oh, this is filler. No, there's no filler. Yeah. No, it's, it's jam packed full of stuff. So Carla to close the show, we like to do one reason why, what is the one reason you would give somebody to watch the return of the king
0: um because it's my favorite one no i'm just kidding <laughs> um i would say to watch return of the king because of uh, the message of friendship mm, and yeah. hope that is portrayed through the story that tolkien has written um and i think ultimately like that's his final message of his whole story is friendship, right? Mm-hmm. Because throughout the three films, you see these bonds formed right from the beginning, yeah. right? Like Frodo and Gandalf, like he jumps on the car and then Bilbo and Gandalf, like it's all these connections and these bonds mm-hmm. with these characters. And if they had not had each other, like where would they have gone? Would they have prevailed? Would they had pushed through to bring, you know, the ring to destroy it and save, you know, all of, you know, um, middle earth. It's, it's really that, that, that message of, you know, we are who we are because of the people that we associate with. And like, I truly believe that like, yes, like everybody has their own personalities and, um, but you really are a a part of you is the friends and the people that you keep in your company. And, um, you know, I think if, If, again, if these characters had not trusted each other or had courage and and faith in each other, um, who knows? They may have failed and, you know, Sauron would have taken over uh, all of the land. But yeah, yeah, I think friendship is like Tolkien's main, his main like drive throughout Mm -hmm. these stories and through these character uh, arcs. Which I love. It's it's just so it's so amazing.
1: Absolutely. And what makes it so amazing is is that these friendships endure the hardest of times. Mm-hmm. War, evil, destruction. Mm-hmm. And yet at the end when they get through all that, it's it's an even stronger bond mm-hmm. between them.
0: I mean like perfect perfect like scene is, you know, Frodo. I can't carry it, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. And like, yeah. It's just, ah, uh, like, to me, like, Sam is like, like, the ultimate, like, example of like what a true friend is supposed right. to be, you know? Like, he right. sets the bar like way high. It's like, if you're not like Samwise Gamgee, you're not a good friend. <laughs> That's
1: true. Like, he is the perfect, he is like, what friend... That's like the goal. Mm-hmm, that's the, mm-hmm. the the aim to have when, when you're being someone's friend. It's like, are you like Sam? What would Sam do in this situation?
0: Exactly. Yep.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And then my one reason why would be this movie sticks the landing. Endings are hard. And Tolkien and Peter Jackson perfectly stuck the landing. And it's such a good... Closing chapter. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's perfectly displayed on film, and that's what makes this entire trilogy perfect. Is because like there's so many good examples of like directors completely, not completely, but like it's there's some level of disappointment with the Star Wars original trilogy.
0: <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs>
1: Game of Thrones final season, mm, yeah. like it's like why why did you make those decisions? But you know it's easy to look back in hindsight and being like, yeah, you could have fixed these. But like endings are hard yeah. to be satisfying, and these movies are satisfying, and it's a good ending to the story. Yeah,
0: and I wonder like like how much of that is owed to because of the way Peter Jackson um you know handled the whole project again like everything was filmed at the same time not like you know star wars or game of thrones like oh they film this season this year and then like this Mm. movie was filmed after the year that this one came you know what i mean like because it was worked on at the same time like everybody was on the same page and like ultimately you know with tolkien like you you had your ending right But so did Game of Thrones. Like, George R. R. Martin, like, even though he hasn't finished his books, like, he told them, like, this is ultimately what happens, and this is what happens at the end of the story. Yeah. But with, you're right, like, with Peter Jackson, like, he just, he nailed it, you know? And especially with something that is so massive. There's so much content in those books. Mm -hmm. And he managed to get it down to where you're not watering down the story or the characters, but you're not putting so much in. I mean, it is a lot, but you're not putting so much in where it's like, okay, like this is dragging, like it's taking away from right. the film itself. Right. You know, like, yeah, I don't know. The man is a genius. Like he is just, he's yeah. wonderful. Like with, when he puts his mind into a project, cause like King Kong oh. was like, it was okay. But then he did that documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old, about the World War One soldiers. Right. And like that was incredible.
1: I yes. was like,
0: oh my gosh, like this is just unbelievable. So I think I got when, the
1: frame rate right. Yeah. It's like realistic. Yeah. So
0: yeah. I think when he's really invested in something and he's just so passionate about it, like it just it shows, it shines right I through do. the screen, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Peter Jackson, probably one of the best directors of our of our time, mm-hmm. easily. I'll say it. It's a bold statement, but it's true. Like a well-deserved these films, Oscar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like you earned it. Much,
0: yeah, much deserved
1: that's it for this time on syndicate we hope you enjoyed yourself we've been talking about the return of the king by peter jackson please check it out where it is available and now i'm going to take a moment to thank my guest carla for coming on to the show
0: thank you so much this was so much fun i love talking about as you you know i love talking about tolkien and uh it was fun (laughs) to like go through each of the three like i feel like we literally would need like three hours to really like unpack each of the films, you know, there's just oh, easily. It's just so much. You can't, you know, it's hard to really compact it into, you know, such a, a short amount of time. So if you ever want to do that, <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs>
1: Honestly, you can have an entire podcast season yeah. about these films. Like there's, there's just so much to talk about. And we, we, we brushed the surface and yeah i think i think we did a good job
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's it's i think it's my favorite my favorite my favorite fandom like my favorite franchise i love like again like if it's star wars 2 like i love because it's been in my life for so long but like lord of the rings again there's just such an emotional component to it um Mm -hmm. like there's a lot more It's a lot it goes a lot deeper into like human psychology. And again, we talked about relationships with the characters and all that. So I think it just, yeah, I don't know what it is. I have seen this movie so many times. Like, and every time I watch it, it's like like I could it could never
1: grow old for me. So yeah, because it just it leaves you with something more. Mm -hmm. And that's what great art does. Like when you're in like the art gallery and you're watching and you're looking at a beautiful painting and it's just everything like you're just engrossed in it like the craft and like mm-hmm. what is it saying and films can do that too good films and this is an example of one of those 100 mm-hmm. percent. so if you'd like to hear more of carla please check her out on her podcast star wars podcast wstr galactic public access or fine podcasts are available thank you again carla
0: Thank you.
1: But if you like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at syndicate. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have Discord. Please join the growing film community where you can find myself and other podcasters talking about this title and many more at syndicate.com forward slash discord. If we got anything wrong in this podcast, or if you have any film recommendations, please send your emails to info at or visit the website at And Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.